0: Um, what's the name of your podcast and what's the topic of discussion? Well, so I, I guess the, the big thing um, that I kind of kept coming back to is that one of the, one of the dramas that I've got is that my name isn't, is, is not within the industry is still only recognisable to the people who know me. So um, when I sat down and did my business plan for not just the podcast but for my RTO, um, I was like, all right, well, I gotta start using my name more, which mm, mm. which I, I'm almost allergic to, right? So um, it was like, my God, what do I go with? Do I go with the Clint Hill experience? Do I go with you know whatever? <laughs> so um, the the thing for me is my life's been a massive experiment. So I went uh, I went with the Hill experiment. Hey, I like that. So yeah, so right, um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, because for me, uh, I, I think realistically everything that I've done in my career and in my life has been exactly that. You know, I've had a theory, gone through a bit of research, decided why I'm gonna do something, had a crack at it, it's either fucked up and turned into an absolute disaster, or the opposite, and it's now part of the staple part of what I do every day.
1: That's cool. Yeah. Is it gonna be a resource for the for your students? For
2: okay. Your yes interns? and no.
0: Um, I still wanna have some fucking fun, right? Like yeah. it's important. I, yeah, man. Mm. Like uh, I guess you know, and, and, you know, off air we were just quickly chatting and I was filling you two in with uh, the fact that uh, I've recently become, become uh, single, split up with, with my fiancé and, uh, and from there I've also realised that one of the things that I let myself down on is that I forgot to have enough fun. And whether that was you talking about during that relationship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, during no, 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 I just not didn't... not during the whole the whole relationship. I shouldn't go. I shouldn't. Right, <laughs> she's a great chick. So I'm certainly not going to hammer her on that one. But um, just in just in the last few months of it, you know, like I, I really I let myself down in not doing the stuff that I love doing, um, and that kind of comes back to the fact that you know when you when you're too focused on something that isn't part of your end game um then you you really don't know what direction you're traveling in and you you're just clutching at straws to to get yourself through each day or each week or each month so for me the podcast is a huge part of of enjoying my life getting people that i want to fucking speak to and uh having a chance to to put them out there in the world as well so
1: yeah that's cool that's cool yeah it's it's a funny it's a funny type of media because it it's really allowed people to do that, right? Like, hell yeah, to actually just have a good time. And I yep. think Joe Rogan has really, well, that's... with the with the booze and smoking joints and yeah, all that, yeah, really yeah. made people around the world realize, oh, like it's okay to to get a bit loose and like, yeah, you know, um, have a good time and, and like and say whatever the fuck you want,
0: Mate, especially in health and fitness. Like, let's let's you know, let's cut the shit. Like, one of the biggest dramas, and and you know, again, as I said to you both off air, one of the reasons that I wrote a PT course or a Cert 3 and Cert 4 in personal training is because I'd been such a heavy critic of the fitness industry for so long that I was actually part of the problem, not part of the solution. Now, this comes down to also your podcast. Dude, I definitely get on the piss. I love a beer more than most blokes, right? But (laughs) the very clear thing is that's that's never been allowed in the fitness industry and finally it's starting to be, right? Yeah. So... That, that open nature or that truthful authenticity is yeah. actually starting to really come through. And, and you know, you guys, you guys practice and preach that stuff, so I'm not going to uh, sit here and say anything but that. But
1: You saw our photo of the director's meet at Electric Gardens? <laughs> 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 Big dog's got to eat. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, um, that's cool, man. Hey,
2: we we're we already rolled up, but let's just give the people a little um, intro. Yep. Um Uh, This is EP28, anyhow. We've got Clint Hill here. Uh, Joey T couldn't join us, unfortunately, today. Um, And our topic for today is. Topic today is Stronger is Better. Hell yes.
1: Why Strength is Important and How Do We Get More of It?
2: Good. Special guest, Clint Hill. Um, Do you want to tell the people roughly who you are? Yeah,
1: sure. No problem at all. Uh,
0: So, I guess, uh, 23 year veteran of this industry. I have a double master's degree in human biomechanics and strength and conditioning. I'm an ASCA Level 3 professional coach, um, ASCA lecturer, that's Australian Strength and Conditioning Association for the listeners who don't know what that is. Um, I didn't know it either. There you go. Um, <laughs> and I guess the, the key part to, to what I do is I've, I've gone through the world of professional sport, as a, uh, firstly as a, a player, then into a, a, an SNC coach. And then from there, have come out the back end, gone into semi-professional, then gone into individual coaching, and now spend most of my time mentoring young PTs and uh, hopefully improving this industry that I love so passionately.
1: So cool! It's cool, man. Thank it's you. It's a yeah, it's a deep journey. Hell yeah! yeah I met I met Clint uh, when I first started working at Anytime Fitness in Surrey Hills. Yeah, Clint was the <laughs> was the boss. He was the PT manager. <laughs> And I was the only other PT there. You, you were at that stage, kind yes. of. Pay. Yeah,
0: yeah. Or oh, there was a couple of little floaters.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was really cool. I I, I think I worked there. For, I don't know how long it was. Maybe yeah. a year and a bit. Yeah, yeah. Or something. So. And, yeah. But yeah, it was cool. It was cool getting to know you. And and I mean, it wasn't it wasn't long before you were out of there either, yeah, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um. The uh, the interesting world of of health and fitness is uh, you take opportunities that come to you but you have to do a really basic needs analysis or a SWOT analysis, which I, I, I'll talk about a little bit later on in the program. Um, but for me, your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats, which is your SWOT, uh, are a huge part of how you make a decision around staying at a particular gym, moving, taking an opportunity, taking a risk, whatever it happens to be. So I did that at that point in time and, uh, and took the jump to 98 Riley Street. That's right. Uh, Where I was for a few years uh, before the former owner of uh, Fitness First uh, came and strangled me out of there, and uh, took me to another gym uh, in Potts Point. Um, And then from there, I've uh, crash landed in uh, the wonderful world of Lift Performance Center. Big shout out to uh, Coach Cato, who is uh, the owner and uh, and chief in control good gym uh, of that one lift yeah yeah so joey does a good little facility. bit a little bit of training out of there when he wants to lift so yep. uh, yeah but um, i think you know from a career perspective for me and and for a little tip for anyone out there whenever what looks to be an amazing opportunity arises in your career take take stock take uh, one or two really good people by your side and make sure the advice that they give you is sound but also make sure that that you're really comfortable with your decision about where you want to work because uh, it can shape your career, it can change the type of training you do and it certainly can change the type of education you receive. So think about those things heavily before
1: you uh, jump ship. So that's been, you know, so I guess you're really talking to to the PT or the fitness professionals there. Um, Is that a, you know, from... We're here at JB's Right, we're sort of in a little bit of a it's kind of a bit of an island. We're a bit separate from yeah. that scene. Yep. Um which is cool, but it it, it all you know, the, the impression I get of the the conventional personal trainer yeah. approach out yep. there is it it's a pretty fucking tough environment to thrive in, right? Look, hell yeah, the um
0: and and you'll hear me use the terms commercial and alternative as two different types of gyms. Mm. Um and for me uh, the the type of the the type of facility that you have can put you on an island and, and in this particular case you guys are on a on a wonderful little deserted uh, you know island with a couple of cool little palm trees okay so for me a couple of islanders yeah couple <laughs> I'm, I'm the white guy <laughs> that doesn't know how to cut coconuts <laughs> token white kid <laughs> so uh, yeah it's definitely something that uh, you need to understand um, is is clear in the in the sense that you need to you need to know what your facility is about, but also probably acknowledge what's happening out there in the rest of the world. And the commercial, the commercial gym world is still a messed up little unit. Um, I had a, had a fantastic chat to a, to a young girl yesterday who uh, will be coming into my mentorship. She is a PT down at Sylvania Fitness First, which strangely enough is, is one of the gyms that I've worked at over the past 20 odd years. Um, and she's two years in. Is, is absolutely obsessed with the idea of, of you know, fitness and, and strength and conditioning and whatnot, but just has no-one down there to give her the direction that she requires. Um, so the commercial gym world is this dog-eat-dog, dog, you know, people look at each other, you know, happy to cut off their nose to spite their face, you know. They don't want to ever admit that they don't know something because that shows weakness and all that kind of crap. And it's just... You know, uh, as I said before, one of the reasons that I wanted to, to help the fitness industry is because I believe that you should be able to make a mistake. You should be able to say, hey, hand up here. You know, I don't know what the fuck the answer to this question is, yes. right? So, mm. and, I, and I think in especially those fitness firsts and some of those big commercial gyms, there's, there's no room for error. Yes. You know, it's you lose a client because, uh, you, you know, you make that mistake. Yeah. So, yeah
1: yeah there ends up being quite a facade yeah, amongst yeah. amongst coaches and stuff doesn't
0: yeah. there just check out social media for any of your your wonderful facades I watched a uh, <laughs> I watched a, a fantastic video this morning I actually almost uh, I almost fell over laughing uh, where we go. Uh, I know a particular guy who and I know this dude really really well um, I, I'd, I'd watched him uh, his foray in, uh, in Europe for the last few months, and he'd been having uh, he'd been having a monumentally good time. Let's just, uh, and I've just put that in inverted commas, quote unquote. Uh, and then the, he to back it to back that up, he he made some ridiculous claims about you know he didn't do something you know to. to to make sure that his, you know, body was in peak condition for something that he was about to do, and it was like, dude, you've just taken every drug known to man for the last four months, <laughs> and now you're fucking telling me that, uh, you know, preaching to the choir about, uh, you know, you you've now just taken this supplement and it's solved all of your woes. Like, <laughs> come on, man! Like, stop being a full social media influencer <laughs> and show some so show some authenticity.
1: Yes, and, yeah, it's true, right? I remember, um, I remember, uh, you know, working as a. Some, some advice I got from someone when I started coaching was... Probably, don't, mate. Don't, <laughs> yeah. No, and, I, and, I, and it could have, but I know it wasn't you, this yeah, yeah, one. Sure. Um, but it was, don't ever let your see, your clients see you eating food that is not like perfectly healthy. Wow. Yeah, it was like... Okay, know. that was definitely not, <laughs> mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember when we were Maccas that yeah, time? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was, like, I was like, yeah, that makes sense, man. Got it. Thanks for the advice. And then I thought about it afterwards and I'm like... That's fucked. Like it's because that's not what it is. Come on, man. It's not about that, right?
0: Yeah. Like off air, we said, you know, definitely. Or you know, one of the things that I, that I certainly preach is that, you know, man, it's Friday. I'm looking forward to a beer at five o'clock. I can't wait. You know. Yeah. Um. That's that's life. Like I want balance. I want you know. I want this ever elusive bullshit balance work life <laughs> that occurs. You know, for me, it's it's about showing my truth, and and mine is that. You know, I don't want to rock around at 12% body fat. I want, to, uh, I, I want to, you know, eat the chalky cake and, uh, and train the house down and enjoy my life and, uh, and, and still sting a beer of every possible opportunity.
1: Yeah, totally. And be in good shape, right? Like, sure. You can have it all. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, it sort of makes me think. I think that's always been a strong suit for us, and I know that a lot of other gym owners. I know a few other gym owners that do this, but yep. they they when the Christmas party comes around, they really give it a nudge. Yeah, and I think that's super important. And I know that that for us, that's always been an like a like a very welcomed um, part of what we do as as business owners here. Yep. because we get fucked up. Yep. At, at least that one time sure. here with everyone, and sure. they and they're like, oh, okay, like. So these, guy, these guys aren't just like yeah. whatever, you know, fitness poindexters that, <laughs> that have never been to a nightclub or, yep. you know, whatever yeah. the fuck, right? Like it's, everyone's doing the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, man, I wanted to, uh, you know, talking about this, this strength idea and uh, I guess, the you know, one of the things I was thinking about it is in the rele- how strength is relevant to the everyday person. Sure. And most people don't know what it is. <laughs> and so... Maybe you could just start by, you know, you mentioned that you are a strength conditioning coach. Yes. What do you do?
0: All right. I guess the, the, first, the first point that I'd like to make is, is there's two words in that, strength and conditioning. Now, that's three words. That's two <laughs> <laughs> But, but strength slash conditioning are the, are the two elements, right? Now... Whether you whether you call that a 50-50, uh, you know relationship or whatever it happens to be, it comes down to what your sport is. So the first the first point or the first part of this discussion should be around what what a strength and conditioning coach is, um, which is a question you've asked. And and realistically, what a what a strength and conditioning coach does, as opposed to a PT per se, is that the idea behind the way we program is based off of a a clear periodization plan, okay? So someone comes to us with a 12, 18 month, two year, three year goal, whether that be a a rugby season, a soccer season, whatever it happens to be. So it's a clear mapped out diagram between point A and point B, okay? So the strength and conditioning coach's role is to then break that down into bite sized chunks that might be month based, might be three month based, doesn't matter. Okay, there's there's individual reasons why you would do both. Now, those chunks should be broken down into what you want to achieve. So, seventy five percent conditioning, twenty five percent strength, a hundred percent strength, whatever it happens to be, to build that that person into the athlete relevant that you to, want them, to them to that, that task or that sport. Or that sport. Mm, mm. Now, that could also come down to the fact that you know we could, we could be talking about uh, a you know a, a professional cyclist that that has a goal of competing in the Tour de France in four years, okay? So you've got to have that end goal in mind and break the, the journey down into pieces that they can see and understand. As opposed to your traditional PT that rocks up and uh, you know may write the session seven minutes before the client arrives. Yep. Or or if at all. Classic. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, one what of the machines available. Fuck
1: it, let's do that one. <laughs> <We're not> Shoulder <shopping laughs> <best. laughs> How good. Yeah. So
0: uh, so I, I guess the, the first part you know is is the definition, and the second part is firstly what is strength. Um. Now for me, the ASCA defines strength as the ability. To move an object or objects quickly or in, in another way, uh, I guess, the density of that object. So, therefore, how heavy it is. Right. So, in a nutshell, what we're looking at there is strength can come in all, all different forays, I guess. Muscular endurance right down to one RM style, you know, max strength. So, if we've got a power lifter, we're talking, you know, max strength. If we've got someone who, like you guys, BJJ and, and fighting art, you know, arts, we're looking towards more muscular endurance, but still potentially needing a one-out, all-out effort at certain points. But that may not occur in the first one second of a fight. So you need to still be able to get through the muscular endurance and then still explode. Yeah. So for me, the, the definition of strength is you need to be able to do whatever it is to achieve the goal of your sport.
1: Yeah, okay. Cool. And so that so so on that the that sort of little crossover of max strength yep. moving up the spectrum towards sure. strength endurance are we talking about energy systems, does that cross into conditioning? Or is it look are you saying that it's kind of one of the same?
0: Yeah, look, it's uh I guess, you know, twenty odd years ago when I did my first level one strength conditioning course and and I was in the middle of my exercise sports science degree and I thought I knew it all, I would have told you that they were polar yeah. opposites and they were you know, one was one was uh you know, yeah. one was in the kitchen and one was in the in the garage, you know, they were that far apart. But very simply over the years I've realized that each works with each other you know mm-hmm. there's a definite synergy between both systems and and that and that means that we need to understand what each person needs the requirements of that sport if we got a rugby league player right the the chance of them uh, still having to run as fast in the 80th minute as the first minute is still pretty high now yeah. that may not occur because, obviously, if you've played 80 minutes of footy, you're going to be uh, most definitely more fatigued. But what if, that's, what if that's what the game requires? Yeah. you know. So, um, actually, just on that, I'll, I'll just throw an interesting stat up. Last year in the NRL, max speed was only reached by two players at all in the whole NRL season. Now, the reason that that statement stands true is this. Okay, So to reach your maximum speed, okay, you basically need to do a 10 to 15-minute warm-up and then sprint flat out for over 75 meters to get to that max speed. Makes right. it, make sense? Yes. Yep. Now, if I go and do a 30-minute warm-up with my team and then go to the footy field, well, there's probably a chance that I'm already past being able to you're reach my max speed. You're a bit fatigued. And then secondly, how are you going to get to a point where you've got to run almost – Hundred meters, The whole field, <laughs> dead straight. So, yeah. how, how, do you know who that was? And how did they? Uh, how mate, do they figure that out. Like, I actually. Well, everyone wears GPS now, so yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. And I don't know whether every, every any, game, every, every game, every, every player. Holy. There is no fail in uh, that. So they've got everyone. data on the hundred percent. I've seen that oh, right. yep. little every training session. Wow. The even even me at Ramwick I had yeah yeah. I'll, I'll bring like, that up. It's So, in so too, confusing. So. <laughs> so um, even, you know, last year at Ramwick, Joey came down and, and did a couple of sessions for, for my Ramwick Rugby Club uh, last year. And, uh, yeah, so I had, I had the boys with GPS during training and every game for first grade.
1: Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That's where all the stats come up, like yeah. meters gained. and yeah, correct. Hit ups and uh, maybe yeah. not hit ups. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, hit ups because you can check uh, you can check terminal velocity. So when, when an impact stops. is made, <laughs> yeah, and, and how many g <laughs> oh, how hell. many g forces, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, yeah, okay. But yeah, on the Telstra tracker thing, um, so I saw I saw during the the uh, state of origin. Yeah, yeah, that's when I saw they had you know Josh had a car hit X. You know, maybe it was. I can't remember what speed it was. Might have been thirty-two km an hour. It was fast, um, but yeah, interesting. One of the the key points there is, mm. if he were to run a hundred meter sprint mm. as as a sprinter, mm. it'd be a much faster, not, not necessarily much faster, because the type of training they do. Keeps their muscular endurance high to get to that point. So mm.
1: yeah. yeah. So sorry for that little uh, segue. No, no, <laughs> I like I like that. I like but so I guess so. Your point there is that you know if you're talking about a powerlifter whose maximal strength is their goal, that's the nature of their sport. Yep. You're talking about a football player. Making them better at sprinting is going to help, but they don't—they don't necessarily need to be able to express their max speed. No. So yeah. then there's other variable Correct. other training elements you're looking at.
0: And if if we go if we spin this back to the topic of strength, which is obviously what what you know we're we're designed around talking around today, it's 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 the same reason we only test once or you know once every four to six weeks, right? And it's the same reason that in a, in a in a NRL or a rugby sense, that most of the time you're probably going to be doing you know sets of six to 12 because muscular endurance or muscular durability during season is more important because you're going to have to make five, 10 hit ups a game. You're going to have to do you know, 30 odd tackles, et cetera, et cetera. So you need to be able, that repeatability, that actual impact that you go over and over again. So strength is relative, but also totally important to each individual sport that you understand what
1: type of strength you're trying to work on. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. So you guys would test every four to six weeks um, and you would test in that sort of rep range, six to 12 reps? No. Not necessarily.
0: (laughs) So testing still comes down. So you still want to test your maxes, but you then you want to have a muscular endurance test as well. Right. So for example, and this is just a, a very simplistic way to explain it to everyone so for for my predominant testing you might have a 1rm power clean so therefore i get power production out of the way uh a 1rm uh bench press a 1rm chin up and then i might have muscular endurance testing of something like uh you know uh, 75% of your body weight uh bench pull or Something you know, max every, reps, type max deal. reps, or push-ups, or something along those lines, just to sort of you know give give your listeners a bit of an understanding of how that
2: might potentially work. So you guys NRL combines doing the max bench press, yeah, seen that, yep. yeah. Oh, it's crazy. He's yeah. got a whole team around them just cheering them on, yeah. And of course, I've only seen the videos that pop up. So it's the guys well, that are pushing past fifty reps. Yeah. Well, I had the I had I, I, the uh,
0: yeah gosh, I had the luck very early. In, I shouldn't say luck. I created it, so it wasn't luck. <laughs> um, I created the opportunity f- to go to the NFL Combine uh, in nineteen ninety nine. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I love watching so, that man. Yeah. A guy by the name of Mike Boyle. Um, so for any coaches out there that are listening to this podcast or alternatively super, super athletic, uh, you know, super keen on understanding, you know, more about um, athletic development, uh, Mike Boyle's strength um, in the US. So, I went to his, uh, his internship slash uh, use, get used and abused to learn uh, the ins and outs of, uh, of some of the systems. Um, so the toilets, like, that kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, yep. well, man, we just... <laughs> i show you my
1: program. We did everything. <laughs> oh, Wow. Um, so yeah. So Speaking of which, we're running an internship soon. Oh. If you want to clean toilets, learn some <laughs> shit, come down.
0: Yes. <laughs> pardon, pardon the pun. Clean toilets yeah. and learn some shit. Um, <laughs> so yeah, very, very simply. When I got over there, one of the, the, obviously, I was, I was interested in the max strength stuff. But what you don't see is what happens in the lead up to that combine. So he took, uh, I think the intake was thirty guys to train them for six weeks to lead into. The NFL combine right and this is a big deal so he charges nothing but if you get into the NFL 10% of your first year salary becomes his holy shit now that is a very <coughs> very very standard model that's a good model it's a, if you can produce a result yeah so all, all technically he has to do is produce I think it's like I think I did the math back then it was like one every four years Wow and, and it was well worth it. Because their initial contracts are in the millions? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty wow. interesting. As opposed to here at the NRL minimum salary is $68,000, I think. Whereas uh, I think the uh, NFL minimum salary this year is $1.35.
1: Wow. That just comes down to the amount of supporters they have and how much income it generates? Yep. Yeah, right. Yep. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. And they've got fuck all sports compared to us, which is
0: uh, genius m- modeling rather than what we do where we've got 357,000 fucking sports. and uh, We're okay at all of them. We're okay at all of them. But <laughs> the biggest problem is <laughs> that that, <laughs> that means the sponsor dollars have got to stretch that far as well. Yeah, it's a good point, huh? So, yeah.
1: I remember just an interesting side note. My, my cousin, uh, he, you know, my family's pretty, uh, they're pretty into rugby league. They've yep. just always been fans of watching it. And my cousin was freaking out because his daughter came home one day. She goes to school, maybe over in the, in the eastern suburbs somewhere. And she had a little AFL ball and she was like punting it around oh, yeah. the house. Yeah. And he's like, where'd you learn to do that? Where'd you get the ball? And she was like, oh, the, the Swans came to our school today. Yeah. And he's like, "And what are they doing? She's like, oh, we got to play with them and meet them. And they showed us how to like punt the ball. And then they signed some shit, like gave us some stuff. And, and she was in love with it, right? Like yep. it was an awesome day. Yep. And uh, I, I don't know if he looked into it or if he just spoke to some people, but he found out that the Swans, they visit something like – they visit something like 100 schools every year within mm. the Sydney area. Yep. And like NRL teams like go to two. Yeah. And the, he, he was like, fuck. And that – and it just – from a business model perspective, yeah. you could see that AFL was just – they had a better design. Yeah. The
0: AFL kick program sees – I think it's, it's 120,000 kids. The – NRL do a, uh, a, f- a schools program every year where one day all of the NRL clubs have to go to about four or five schools in a day, right? They see about 80 kids each, 100 kids each club. Wow. Right, there's 12 clubs, it's 1,200 kids. It's Why have they lot.
2: dropped the ball so much on that one? Like it's, it's just financial, is it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, like the, the thing is that because AFL started technically as a Victorian sport... And South Australia, but but technically Victorian. So the business modelling was set around a state model, right? So they had one sport that dominated. You know, basically nothing else existed down there, right? So unlike here in Sydney-based, you know, we, we have probably... I think Sydney has 38 professional sports teams. Now Melbourne has 20 and 15 of them are AFL teams.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: So, you said thirty-eight. We got thirty-eight, and that's across everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. And that's full-time professional, whereas like things like, um, you know, uh, like the Sydney Comets basketball team are not full-time professional, whereas the NBL teams are. Yes. So yeah.
1: yeah. Wow, that's that's cool. Yeah. I man, it's interesting, isn't it?
0: And I probably got my numbers wrong, but I'm like I'm pretty close. You Get know. your gist though.
1: Yeah. So man, <clears throat> actually, Paulie, could you hook me up some more coffee, bro? <laughs> Stand by. We got, uh, we're drinking the delicious filter brew from Tree over at Panavore today. Check them out on Pagewood. They sponsor every app, yeah. uh, And just because Clint introduced me to this, <laughs> I thought today would be the right day to do it. We're having cream in our coffee. Um, man, you put me onto that yeah, all those know, right? years ago. What was tell, us, tell us why. And we're talking just like... Just like a little carton of pure cream, yeah. pour a little bit in, stir it. Yep. What's the What's the reason? So, uh, so basically, you add fat to coffee, and it, it slows down the
0: absorption and allows you to to actually uh, process the caffeine better. So and also it tastes fucking delicious. Good man, <laughs> cream
1: tastes good. Yeah. So I yeah. drank that cup in about thirty seconds. Yeah.
0: Well. Uh, Paulie's just uh, thankfully uh, pumped me across a little bit more as well. So uh, I'm, I'm a very happy man right now. And uh, I, I must admit, I popped this up on my, on my Insta. Uh, the boys have uh, dropped me in the Little Miss Princess uh, mug. Um, so I'm super stoked to, uh, to have the ability to uh, drink out of a, uh, a uh, wonderful little mug here. That's uh, right, bro.
1: Jungle Brothers is all inclusive.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. But um, so, so back to the topic of strength, I guess, you know, the, the next part to sort of jump on um, is, is realistically about how to work out what type of strength uh, you need for your sport and also why strength is important for the everyday uh, human being. But um, I guess, you know, using my experience in, in sport and having the, the luck, I guess, um, to, to have worked across so many different sports over the years... Um, I think the big point that I'd like to make to to you guys and to your listeners is what I have been lucky enough to witness over the years is that the type of strength that you have carry overs, carries over into everyday life um, and it's it's you know, you can you can talk about it. You know, the metaphor, you know, of, of being strong and being healthy and so on and so forth. But realistically, I, I've seen this occur time and time again. You know, the the not just the strongest people in the room, but the people that that delve into their strength training and get and get moving better, are the ones that have a better social life, have a better family life, have a you know overall better outlook at life, and are probably more open minded to a lot of things as well. So. You know, there's, there's definitely that, uh, that mental strength that uh, comes down to the fact that a lot of us use physical strength as part of that as a, as a daily basis. And, and I certainly see that in a lot of the guys that I've coached over the years. Um, you know, when they've come upon difficult times, you know, whether it's been, uh, you know, through, through disease or sickness or, or anything with family based and those kind of things, um, they're the ones that, that people really lean on. You know so it's not just about the uh, the physical nature of strength it's what that actually does to you because you set a goal to achieve something go after it and really push through those boundaries
1: yeah okay yeah so it kind of becomes a bit of a, a metaphor, metaphor for life, for for life yeah. yeah yeah it's true right and yep. I, I agree with that um, you know so all right so then let's on that strength piece so we we you know you kind of defined it as your your ability to move something at speed or to move the thing of it you know to move a load yep. to shift a yeah. load um, what does that mean for because here's here's the you know I'm trying to think of like the the everyday person who comes yeah, we get someone that comes to the gym yeah and you don't you, you don't often have a chat with people who are inquiring about training and they say, I want to become stronger. Yeah. Um, they will tell you, I want to get fitter. Yep. Or I want to mm-hmm, maintain. We, we talk about this one a bit. People oh, want wow. to maintain. Yeah, love that one. While well, I'm at it, I'll tone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you know, and then you get like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's usually fitness, right? Sure. And so I guess the... You know, what that points to is that people don't really know what they want. They just know that they want to be in better shape. Yeah, yep. And they're like, I guess that means fit and, you know, let's do it. Yeah. Um, wh- what is strength to that person? What does it mean to them?
0: All right. So, so the first thing that I, that I want to bring up there is definitely how to, how to find your underlying needs. Um, and, and obviously I've been asked a hundred times, or, or sorry, I've asked a hundred times, so what are your goals? What do you want to achieve, you know? <laughs> probably more than a hundred times. Yeah, probably a hundred <laughs> 100 times a times. But I think the, the really clear part to this, and, and I learned this only very recently, that I was accidentally doing this. I don't rest with an answer until I'm shit sure of what that means. So if somebody says to me, oh, I want to get fitter, okay, what does that look like? And if they still give me a shitty answer, okay, can you be more clear on that? Can you give me an example? Can you run through me exactly what that means to you? So, you know, if, if Ma and Pa will come in and, and they, uh, they, you know, want to be fitter to, to run around with their kids and play soccer and, and do whatever, Give me the examples you want to be able to do. Okay, well, what is running around with your kids playing soccer being, You know, I interestingly uh, watched a thing um, about quitting smoking on on you know before the uh, before the State of Origin recently. Michael Ennis was talking about the fact that his dad would only be able to run around with him and and for like five minutes because he was a smoker. Right, he'd have to sit down while him and his brother continued to play footy. Blah blah blah. And whilst in the back of my mind, I was thinking about the smoking thing. The, the forefront of my mind was like, shit, I wonder what, if I'd sat down with Michael Ennis' dad, he would have said was important to him, right? So it made me start going, okay, so what questions would I have asked him? Now, I, I tell people all the time, and, and this is for, for PTs and strength coaches and, and movement coaches out there. Make sure you are clear. Thank you for
1: acknowledging the movement. Absolutely, coaches. absolutely. <laughs> um, it's
0: it's making sure you are so crystal clear on that person's goal, and if you're not, keep pushing. Open the open the lines of communication. Get more questions in, and make sure they're open ended questions so they've got to answer. Yes. Okay. Because. Honestly, what, I, what I've found over the years, and, and there was a, a, an amazing example of this uh, in 2011, there was a study done in the US around why, why people left their personal trainers. And the reason that people left their personal trainers is because the, the, sorry, the majority reason that people left personal trainers was that the personal trainer's goal became more important than the client's,
1: <laughs>
0: right? So, and we talked about this again off air, If somebody turns up here and says to you I just want to be I I just want to move right that's fine that's that's okay that's a shitty goal but that's okay right but if they want to move and they still want to be able to have a beer every Wednesday Thursday Friday night well that's also okay but at least that's a slightly more clear goal yes okay so keep pushing that down the track and find out what they really mean by that if they don't want to lose one kilo well then that's fine that's their prerogative if they still want to pay you to train them then sweet Give them what they want, okay? Just because someone isn't 6% body fat, ripped to shreds and, and doing bar muscle-ups, doesn't fucking matter. If that's not their goddamn goal, okay? And I think coaches get caught up in it and I say this especially with the CrossFit world. If someone can't do a muscle-up, they're trying to force them how to do a muscle-up. Okay. You just need more bands. Yeah, of course.
1: You need something,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Let's um, get some
1: boxes over here yeah. and some bands.
0: If that's not important to the client, then it shouldn't matter to the coach. Can I get some hands on this client? Absolutely, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just throw them up there for God's sake. They've got one. Um, but yeah, so, so clearly for me, um, it, it's, it's around knowing what that person wants and, and you know, coming back to the strength topic. You know, if somebody wants to be able to lift a log, well then help them lift a the log teach them correct technique, show them what needs to be done, but if somebody never wants to worry about doing that well then then make sure that the, the training replicates what they're trying to achieve
1: yes well then that, that brings me to a point which is you know with, with all due respect to the individuals that', sure. that don't, they, they don't know what they need yeah. right a lot of the time yeah. and so so for us it's like cool um, you know we, we, we I definitely think I could dig deeper sometimes. Yeah, I know yeah. that I just go, okay, cool, let's, let's move on. Yeah, But it's, it, you, it's a really good point you make is to, to keep, like, keep scraping away until mm. you get to the thing that they but, really but desire. But
0: maybe, maybe the second part of that too is, Joey, watch what they're naturally attracted to, right? So as I walked in the front doors here, of course, I, I did my normal thing. I had a look at the little garden that you guys have got going downstairs, but I also looked at the timetable, right? And I was visually impacted by certain words, some of them I migrated more towards because they made more sense to me or they were of more interest. Hmm. So ask that question. Yeah, right. Right. Oh, which of our classes uh, you like are you interested of. in? Yes. Ah, right. And they're going to say whatever, right? But the point is,
1: it's kind of like a car salesman. It, be, oh, absolutely. Which car's taking your fancy Correct. today? Correct. Yeah,
0: yeah. Right. Because the thing is that that's there for a reason, and we all do it, you know. Like we walk into a room and we notice something and we're visu- visually attracted to it, you know. So, so there's. Well, a, you there's are a, because
1: you're single now.
0: Yeah, correct. <laughs> um, but there's, you know, there's definitely things that you you just automatically go to. So it, it's it's definitely about that when it comes down to it. And you know, again, you know, migrating this back to to strength. But as you can very easily tell, the topic of strength gets uh gets swallowed up by the topic of of what you're actually wanting to achieve in life right but but realistically and and looking at at you know what you guys do here and what i do in at in at lift the type of strength that you're looking at still has to suit what you're trying to achieve now if somebody comes to you and says i don't really know what i want to achieve well that's okay But don't be afraid to revisit that in six weeks time yeah okay so you've now done six weeks of classes what do you think's happening what what are you enjoying
1: where's your yeah you've had a bit of time to get inspired yeah Yeah. and that's kind of i mean look for us that's that's sort of the the i I think a lot of people don't know what they want when they come in here because there's so much going on and so they're like well fuck i don't know i just want to kind of be able to do all that stuff (laughs) <laughs> that you guys put out on Instagram. It's like, all right, well, look, that's cool. Let's just do it. Yep. Get you started and then let's catch up in a month and yeah. see where your head's at. Cool. Um, but, you know, even on that, like, you know, our name is Jungle Brothers Strength and Movement, right? Yes. And we, from the beginning, we're like, all right, like we love the movement thing. And that's, that's been a big part of our journey as coaches and um, as, you know, whatever, athletes or movers ourselves. But we're not dedicated movement people. Yes. We're also like... Really like strength as a, as a modality of training, and if mm-hmm. we kind of try to create an image for people, let's talk like squatting and deadlifting sure. and pull ups and push up traditional like, style yeah, movements. Yeah, basic yep. stuff, right? Gets you big and strong. Yeah, um, that stuff all has a all has a part in in most of the movement culture Correct. somewhere, right? Correct. However, uh, something that I've noticed is that it. The movement culture largely is dictated by a few key individuals. Sure. Uh, So You know, like Ido Portal is very, most definitely the easiest identifiable leader of the thing. Yep. Um, And he was once very into strength training. Yes. And as a result of that, all of his students were doing a shitload of strength training. Sure. He now is not as into that. He's aged a bit. His body is not what it was. He's still a fucking beast from everything I can tell. But what I'm getting at is the the way he teaches and the content he teaches now at his workshops yep. is very different. So you get these people in that culture who have come in at a later stage. Yes. And they don't they don't know about all the, they miss it. the heavy deads and the yeah. pushes and pulls and all yep. that. And they're just doing the funky arm stuff and crawling around on the ground and whatever, yep. which is all great stuff. But fuck, some of these people just need to be bigger and stronger. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, and so and so we really we recognized that a long time ago and we're like, for whatever it is that we want to do with the people that come in here, yep. whether we want them to do BJJ or we want them to do our handstand class, sure. they need to just be fucking strong to yep. a level first. Yep. And that comes about by just some simple strength training.
0: Yeah, look, and, and I think you know, that, that fitter, faster, stronger still, still to this day falls in as a foundation. Um, you know, Dan Baker, who's the president of the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association, says that... No good program won't have dead squat, bench, and pull-up. If it doesn't have those, it's not a good program. Yeah, right. right? Mm. Now, he doesn't say that means you need to be crushing a 1RM 200-keg squat, right? He says squat, dead, bench, pull. At some level. At some level, right? Foundation-style movements... Uh, or or baseline or whatever wording you want to attach to, uh, you know, the front of of this discussion around what needs to be included is you need to be able to move well, okay? Now, if you're a bodybuilder, you don't. Okay, it might fuck you later on, but that's... Two fits to fuck all of my problem. Um, <laughs> you'll just end up, uh, you know, coming here to uh, to get fixed down the track, right? But you know, and and interestingly, I had a had a really good conversation with someone that, that you know uh, yesterday, Joey, um, Chad Rogers. So Chad, big, Chad. Uh, big Chad's, uh, you know, living in uh, living in sunny Thailand these days. He's doing a shit ton of online coaching, and and we were having a conversation about uh, and of all things, thumbless grip. Wow. Okay. Now, Chad... Like I, suicide grip? Yeah, suicide grip, yeah. right? But but for shoulder press. Okay. And for bench press. Now, the reason that he was bringing that up is basically he wanted to know that if you did an EMG study, so electromagnograph, which, you know, te- te- checks how much uh, muscular contraction you have... If you had a suicide grip, yeah, so I'm probably getting a little deep here, but you'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll be able to pick this up and I'll, and I'll, I'll drop it to, to a level that makes sense to everyone. Um, so if you hold the bar or a dumbbell with a closed grip, which means you're gripping the entire way around that. Wrapping mm, the thumb
2: wrapping around. Wrapping the
0: thumb around. So if you can imagine making a circle with your thumb and your first finger, okay, um, and wrapping around the bar and squeezing as tight as fuck, or popping that, that thumb back out and holding in a suicide grip, which is kind of pretending that you're making a, a reverse C shape or a backwards C shape with your hand and try and do the same movement. Now, bodybuilders will use that thumbless or suicide grip to get, uh, I guess, more muscular contraction by the force that is, cons- is consumed down through the hand right. in a shoulder press. So his discussion was that there would be a difference between how much, uh, a term called irradiation, which is how much actual force and pressure you're applying through the, through the central nervous system by squeezing around that bar, uh, in effect, closed-circuit style uh, you know, um, movement pla- pattern as opposed to the open style having to, to do that. Now, the reason we are having that discussion is because... That would technically change based on if you get an untrained person or someone who's been training for 20 years, you would get a different reading because the person who's been training for 20 years has the experience and understanding of how to manage that barbell or that dumbbell. Someone who's just walked into the gym, fuck. (laughs) Good luck trying to teach them something like that. And I'm sure you guys know this with any of the false grip style stuff with with your, your gymnastic movements, right? It's fucking hard to learn yeah right so very abstract very abstract but also from a from a pure uh, left left side of the brain right side of the brain modality you're looking and thinking about a totally different thing rather than what is coming natural to you which is grip and rip right so we are you know from the time where we're taught to walk we we grab things in that closed circuit we grab right around it to get what we believe is the best possible group is that right is that how ba- like babies, babies grab stuff that. yeah yeah so they, they they close that off because your central nervous system then has a touch point so at this the nerves in the end of your fingers will and and obviously i'm making this movement with my hands we don't have a, a camera here but um uh, Every time, you know, the end of your thumb touches the end of your fingers, your, your central nervous system acknowledges that there is that touch as opposed to holding it open and there is no touch, right? So it can't acknowledge where, the, where it's going to. Yes. Okay? So if you think about it conceptually, the, the difference in the type of strength that a bodybuilder needs and the difference in the type of strength that a, a powerlifter needs comes down to how those movements apply, Right, right. So so um, leading back to, to what Chad and I were talking about, does it matter? Well, it matters in the sense that every single time you do a study, whether it be on, on you know, uh, a, a particular style of running, a, a lift, a, gymnastic movements, it doesn't matter what the test is on, you have a control group big enough to cut out the outliers. So what we were talking about and what, what heavy discussion was around is how do you eliminate some of those things? Now, going back to the topic of strength, when, when we do a strength testing day here at you know, Jungle Brothers or, or me at Lyft, I'm trying to replicate the tests as close to possible as the conditions that that person was under the last time they tested. Mm-hmm. Okay, So for example, if I test someone at three o'clock in the afternoon, the next time I test them, I wanna test them at three o'clock in the afternoon on the same day of that week. Yeah. Right? So, because if I test someone at 6 a.m. on week one of their program, they've had no meals, they've had four hours sleep and they've smashed four coffees to uh, to come in to do their testing session. Breakfast of champions. Breakfast of champions. Um, or the, And then the next time, six weeks later, that I test them, I test them at four o'clock in the afternoon. They've had amazing food all day long. They've had nine hours sleep that night. You know, they've uh, you know had a, had a wonderful evening with their respective other partner and they've uh, released some good growth hormone. And uh, basically the, the whole concept changes, right? So you must try and eliminate as many of those uh, outstanding or outlying factors when it comes to strength testing, physical testing of any nature. So yeah.
1: I tested this week yep. coincidentally. Interesting. Uh, I tested my I wanted to work on some lower body power. Yep, cool. And so I built a little program that I've been following for 6 5 or 6 weeks. Yeah. There was a week in the middle there that wasn't so on point. But I the the test I did was a box jump. Yep. So I tested max box jump 6 weeks ago. Sure. And I got to you know, whatever it was, a meter something. But I had it was a it was a box yep. on the high end, and then I had four, like twenty kilo plates, yep. and then a one ten kilo plate. So four and a half plates. Cool. And I got a rep, and that felt fine. And then for you know the six weeks following, I did uh, a bunch of speed squats. Yep. So at, at percentages that went up, and then on yep. the last week, I, I used some bands to add a bit of, um, uh, you know, uh, just a bit of extra toughness, I guess, sure. at the top end sure. of the squat. And I did heaps of jumping, yep. you know, as my accessory work. And, yep. and I only did that once a week. Sure. But I'm like, you know, it's, it's cool. Like I, it, it should be enough to get a response. Anyway, on Wednesday morning, which was the same morning I tested on six weeks ago, I came yep. in and I set the boxes up and did my warm up and, you know, got my glutes active, did some jumping and uh, tested. And I, instead of the four and a half plates, I got to three plates. Yeah, right. I fucking came so far under. Yeah. And I was like... I was like, oh man, this, and it's almost like I knew it was going to happen too. Really? Yeah. I was like, fuck. And I tried it. I think I put, I think I put the half plate onto the third one and I'm like, I looked at it and I'm like, there's no way I'm jumping on that today. Yeah.
2: Wow. Okay. From, th- from four and four and a one, half down a half to,
1: half to three. So what's yes.
0: that like seven and a half centimeters, 10 centimeters less? Probably about, probably
1: about 13 centimeters. Okay, I'd right, say. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 And, um, you know, and I was like, oh, this fucking sucks but i you know the other thing was is that the night before uh, we've gone kind of into i trained jiu jitsu with my yep, at, over yep. at alliance and my coach and i have we've ramped up our sessions with got each it, other got it and we go to fucking war cool and we went to war for we had a 20 minute round yep. to open yeah wow and then and then i did two 10 minute rounds with lower belts and yep. then we did another 10 minute round at the end it was it was wow. 50 minutes 50, minutes, 50 minutes with one minute breaks Shit. and I was fucking smoked <clears throat> and uh and then you know slept seven hours and then came sure. in and tried to jump yeah wow and uh and <laughs> so you know and so I, I'm that. obviously yeah. aware of you know the potential of of what may have hmm. resulted in the, but, the the negative result but there's two things there so now I would have told you that
0: six times isn't enough to elicit a response right I would have said 12 to 18 minimum in terms of like time like so exposure you did six sessions thing. yeah over six weeks of that type of movement to therefore you know you said you just did a shit ton of jumping well okay let's just let's just flip that back to bjj for just a simple discussion right how much sparring did
1: you do in the last week this week yeah uh, two, two sessions, like two classes. Just give me roughly each, Let's say with an hour, of, an hour of sparring in each class. Okay. So do you expect
0: that that would have made you better at sparring? Only just. Only just. So we're, so we're going to say half a percent, a percent maybe. So two hours, unless it's a half a percent or a percent, but you thought that one hour a week – was going to get you a, a significant improvement in your jumping. Yes, I did. Okay, so putting this back into relative terms, you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I think really, I, I think one of the things that we forget. I like this guy, is, Joe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> spades of spade around the yeah. son. Um, Sophie, lock that door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I think one of the, the things that we, we generally forget is that our, our training volume, our training experience, our, our time under tension, whatever terms you want to use and whatever elements you want to add to this discussion, the response that you get is directly equal to what you do. Okay, So if, if I drink 10 coffees, the response that I get from 10 coffees is directly equal to what I drank. Right, So it's exactly the same in training. If I, if I do 10 times the amount, okay, now not 10 times the amount straight of course either here this is split up over over the course of a training week etc you are going to get a better response than doing it once yes right so if you'd squatted if you'd said to me i was squatting on tuesdays and thursdays every week and i was doing speed squats i was doing box squats i was doing you know single leg jumps i was doing double footed jumps i was doing bounds i was doing whatever then I would have said, oh, okay, Joey, it sounds like you've done enough to elicit a response should we have gotten a response. So therefore, listening to the program you wrote and the, the result you got, you actually got what you probably deserved. <laughs> okay? So, <laughs> yeah. and, and this is the thing, right? Like, this is, this is coach talking to a coach here, right? Like, you know, and you would never have done that for your clients. You would have said, no, 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 that's not enough to elicit the response that you're actually wanting to achieve. But when we look at ourselves, we look at the experienced person who's got enough training age, who's got the volume through them. I can, I can get that.
1: Yeah, my two strength days a week, I'm like, yeah, yeah I got cool. this. Yeah, yeah One day true. lower body, one day upper. Sure. I mean, that's that's the thing, right? You, you're spot on. What's the, tell me what the, so you obviously have in your mind a, a, a requisite amount sure. of volume or exposure yep. in order to elicit you know, the physiological yep. response. And so, when you say twelve to eighteen sessions, yep. you, are you looking at that in terms of the amount of repetitions you tend to get in a session, or are you looking at it in just in terms of at time?
0: Okay, so so I'm going to be I'm I'm going to be as specific as I can be with this, but I'm also going to be really open and honest and say and and I said this prior, prior to us having this podcast. Uh, I've made the comment that some of the experiences that I have dictate the outcome of the answer that I'm gonna give. Now, Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is very simple, that I have had a methodology, a thought, uh, a concept, I've then gone and practiced it, it hasn't come to fruition because it was a shit theory, so therefore that's gone by the wayside. Or something else, I've had a theory, I've put it into practice, I've I've then realized it's gonna work, so I've done the research on it and worked out why it works so just just humor me in the sense that that the experiences that i'm going to talk about are, are due to the fact of me having done these for years and years and years to get that that idea to therefore lead into the research to therefore lead into practice right so if i say to you how long does it take how many times do you need to do something to form a habit most of us would would run with the research that we've been told of roughly 21 times of doing something so If you just use that exact same terminology if you wanted a response if you don't do something roughly 21 times it's not a habit so to speak right so what you're asking is you want to jump higher so therefore have you done enough of that habit forming behavior to be able to result in jumping higher now you're telling me that that you did six and I'm telling you 21 is, is a minimum in the habit-forming area. So you probably weren't even in a mental state that you thought you were going to be able to jump that because you hadn't formed a habit well enough mm, to put yourself point. in a position, mm. right? So you weren't even mentally prepared for that. I was doubting. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay, so there's the first part. The second part is that we all know that if I do one squat in a session or I do 100 squats in a session, the, obviously the number of repetitions will therefore create that, Right. And, you know, rocking a Michael Jordan analogy, you know, he wrote once that he'd missed 47,000 shots. Now, I haven't even taken 47,000 <laughs> shots of a basketball, right? And the dude's missed that many, right? And, yeah. he, and he's got a success rate of like 84% or something insane like that. So, therefore, how many shots has he actually taken? So, if we, if we scale that back to what we're talking about here with, with strength training, how many repetitions have you really done? Yes. Okay. And if you're doing six sets of six per se, so you're running 36 reps a week, okay, and you think that that's going to elicit a response, come on, man. You know, if you run one rep of 100 meters a week and think that you're going to run a better 100 meters in, in a year's time, good luck. Okay. That's not enough training response to, or enough training to get the response you're, you're looking at. So for me, from an experience factor, I would say to you, if you wanted to elicit a response in a six-week period, you probably needed to be squatting three times a week, mm-hmm. you probably needed to be jumping three times a week, and those sessions probably needed to pretty much consist of just that, squat, jump, squat, jump, squat, jump.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. Or could you stretch it out, go two sessions a week and do it for 12 weeks? Hell yeah. Right. Hell yeah. Like, again,
0: you're, you're looking at how does that fit your sport? Yep. Yep right and if it doesn't fit your sport then shit anyway so okay. i just wanted
1: to do it to make my backflips better
0: <laughs> well there you go yeah. so look and and okay so so then that that leads down to the next question why does vertical jumping make a backflip better and where did you get that that idea well the higher you can jump the easier it is to rotate okay so is your time better spent jumping higher or rotating more Six and one half dozen the 100%, other. Hundred percent as I say. Okay. Yeah. And and my point there is for you, it might be based off of how many like of how many repetitions of jumping. But for, for Paulie or for me, it might be how my rotation is, right? So yes. individually you need different things. Now, th- this may have been the worst idea for you at this point in time, but the same training six weeks down the track, when you're not sparring, you know, for 50 minutes with your coach the <laughs> night before, might actually work. So the other thing that you've got to take into consideration... I'm going to fucking prove it. Yeah, exactly. Good, <laughs> good. Well, you're going to get your mindset right now because you want to fucking prove it. There's the, there's the first point of difference, right? So um, when it comes to it is... is is the rest of your training designed around that or was your was it just to fit in with the rest of oh, your training?
1: Yeah, fuck no. Right. It was so, it was like I, I get under the bar on a Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> Wednesday morning's my day to do some lower body strength. Yeah. What am I going to do with that hour? Oh fuck it. Let's let's jump
0: higher. Yeah. And see I would have said to you to start with, I would have said, okay, well, if you've got two two sessions a week, I would be hitting full body on both days. Yeah. So that you could have got the extra in you know Tuesday Bit of Thursday exposure twice a week yeah twice a week you know yeah. if you're not exposed to those stimulus you're not going to get better yeah but you were probably also still backflipping you were probably also still doing a whole bunch of other things that complement that um, and, and to, to sort of bring it back to the topic of strength it's again the type of strength you require for the
1: type of movement you're trying to achieve yes cool makes sense bro cool just tough. a side note on that, if anyone wants to sign up to my online jumping program, <laughs> runs for 18, uh, 21, 21 weeks. 21 weeks. Runs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for six. Hey, and
0: 29. do the fucking work, all right? <laughs> <laughs> if you are not exposed to it three times a week, you are shit.
2: That's uh, tough though when you're, when you're chasing multiple movements and yeah. sports and things like, I just find it fascinating the talking about different types of strength. Yeah. Something I was reading recently and I'm pretty new to the. The PT and the whole training game yeah, especially especially that strength and conditioning that scientific side of things yep. um but i'm fascinated with it because i'm a i come from a ball sports background sure. and i love performance yep and um and with my own training it, it's starting to become more and more relevant yeah because i i learned the basic strength way yep. um largely to to joey and and t uh thanks to them you know, and it's, and it's heavy lifting yep. um, uh, and body weight, etc. But now getting more into the, the fighting thing, thinking about like, you know, how am I spending my sessions and what's yep. more useful for me. And, you know, I saw you doing your power stuff and I'm like, that's totally what I thought I wanted to do years ago. Yeah, sure. And then I was like... Learn the industry, yep. And then I was like, okay, I need to do heavy, 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 yep. And now I'm thinking, I, I just want to do power, and I'm, I'm wanting to, I'm enjoying listening to everything you're saying here because sure. all I'm thinking about is how I can get stronger and more powerful than Joe and T. <laughs> <laughs> um, love it, but yeah, I've be, um, been born Fijian. Oh, wait, you were, oh, bro. Right? <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it's, just, it's fascinating because, uh, yeah, the, the types of strength, yep. Um, and I heard, can't remember where I was reading it just recently, yeah, the uh, the power, yep. The speed, strength, yep. Um, and the yeah, endurance, strength, and yeah. I started doing Muay Thai and stuff like that, yep. and it's very different. Um, oh yeah, it's very different. And I just recently kind of upped my training to in the uh, like sparring and pads yep. and otherwise to twice a week. Yep. I also am pretty busy, and I can only sure. like reserve. I've been reserving one session a week for it, and then it's clo- slowly creeped to two. But since yep. it creeped to two. Everything has just gone up, yeah. like so quickly,
0: yeah. exponential growth. And even
2: you know. my, even my freaking push pull work, like yep. that's not even relative to it. It's well, just, it is because I hadn't been doing lots of cardio and stuff, yeah. and I, it's just helped all of my other strength gains yep. straight away, like in yep. a matter of like two Look, three weeks.
0: Everything, everything
2: complements
0: one another, right? Like mm-hmm. so, it, but it, there's a certain point where it starts to detract too, right? So. If if I'm doing if I'm doing 75% of my training cardiovascularly, well, the the obviously the the top end strength stuff is going to fall apart. But if I'm doing uh, I guess the the opposite, if I'm doing 75% strength work mm. and I'm only doing 25% cardio, well. Obviously, then the cardio starts falling down. So the point is, it just has to suit what your requirements are for that particular event. Mm. Um, And and look, you know, it's always going to be the way that... uh, Trying to get that balance right is is one of the hardest things that any one of us ever find. Whether it's the balance between how much strength, how much conditioning, how much recovery, Skill work right, time to, you know, yeah, like yeah. I'm 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 a massive advocate for the recovery element. You know, like when I was a when I was a wee bu- wee pup in this industry, you know, like I, I thought that recovery was sleep, you know, and, and now I, I have a recovery system for every single one of my athletes, every single one of my PTs, they need to do a 10-point recovery system, which is, you know, uh, I'm more than happy to drop it to you guys. It so starts can have on Friday, Arvo's at 4pm, 4 4pm 4 right? with a beer in hand, absolutely. <laughs> um, but beer and yeah. a foam roller. 100%. <laughs> so, yeah, but like, you know, there's, there's things that they have to achieve before I'll let them train because to me the recovery, you, you can't overtrain in my opinion. You can only under recover. Yeah. Okay. Now, of course you can you can overtrain in the sense that, you know, if you're if you're doing twenty hours a day, you're gonna overtrain. But what I mean by that is most people don't even have the ability. To overtrain,
1: yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So, but they definitely
0: have the ability to under recover. Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. And I think most people, I mean, most people under They're walking around under recovering, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, not trainers, like, I mean, you know. And, and we talk about this, you know, sleep is the is the uh, the mythical beast in the in the fitness industry. You know, like oh, you know, fuck. I remember you know wearing it like a badge of honor. How many sessions, how many PT sessions I'd done, and and how little sleep I'd had, and I was a champ, you know coffee the breakfast of champions we talked about it before you know like i I can rock a 12 coffee day you know there's there's no issue there (laughs) you know um well this is number five (laughs) so uh yeah yeah that's wild man yeah look i I just think that you know understanding the modality you're trying to create and and the outcome or the result you want to achieve is is the clear-cut winner to making sure your program, whether it's strength, conditioning or whatever it happens to be, it definitely rocks the the understanding and the breakdown of what you're trying to achieve in your
1: programming. Man, can you um could you talk a little bit on I wanted you to and I know this is a big question, but I wanted to get a couple of templates or yep. formats sure. for strength training. And obviously, you know, and like we know five by five and all that yeah, stuff, sure. but, but there's people out there that are listening to this stuff going, Oh, strength, okay, cool. Yep. Um, to talking to those people, sure. could you give me an example of like a, a template people could use say for a beginner and an intermediate?
0: Yeah sure look I, I think you know and, and I've been asked this question on podcasts before and, I, and I, I'm really I'm really going to be uh, slightly critical of my own answer right so but the the good old school five by five method uh, of training five sets, five reps you know, Trying to hit sort of eighty-five to ninety percent of your of your max for that for five reps uh, is is probably still the greatest researched uh, template. Now, does that mean it's the best? Not necessarily. It just means it's the best researched. Yeah, And uh, so therefore we have more results on it. Therefore we are more likely to achieve because therefore there's been more studies done on it. So, you know, the five by five is a very traditional method of strength whereby uh, you can you can rock, rock it under two different principles. You can do full body or, or upper body, lower body style splits. And the idea would be that you look at each of the body parts and, and separate them. So if you were doing an upper body, you might do... You know, your, your primary lifts might be your bench press. It might be your pull up. It depends on what you're trying to achieve, mm-hmm. and it depends on what your sport was. You know, if it's a, if it's a rugby league style sport, a rugby union, whatever it might be, you might be better off to choose things like bench press and pull ups. Whereas if it's a fighting art, you might be better to choose something like a. Ring row, a you know, uh, an inverted row, a bench pull, something that actually replicates more of that style of sport. Yeah. Um, then when you move into the lower, bench
1: pull, is lying uh, face prone, down on a bench, yeah, prone, pulling prone from on the bench, pulling yep.
0: from the floor up to your chest, so to speak. Cool. Um, then, uh, if you if you're looking at lower body stuff, you you're definitely still looking at your your push movement you, of your of your squat and your pull movement of a of a deadlift. Um, or hinge pattern, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the, the clear winner there is, again, is are the lifts el- like, uh, uh, designed around your sport? You know? If you never have to load your back with a barbell, and if you never have to have huge impact of your shoulders, well, that might not be the smartest maneuver. You know? and, and we talked about this yesterday, again, with Chad. Uh, in all of his online programming, he uses leg press over squatting. And the reason he does that is because it's safer, right? Someone can walk into a gym and load up a leg press and not have to really worry that much about technical th- elements. Yeah, because mobility the, is not an issue. Correct, balance. and the leg press you know, falls into, a into, you know, because of gravity falls in a, in a process where it runs along a track. So you, you can make very few mistakes or, or eliminate some of the mistakes. That how are do you feel about to, that? How do I feel about it? I understand it conceptually... Yeah. ...from a bodybuilding perspective. Yes. Right? Which is what the big man was talking about. Um, and and I'm cool with that because that suits his sport. Yes. Cool? So, uh, again, you know, if you're going to try and compare apples and oranges, I don't want part of the conversation because it's stupid. Like, I'm not going to waste my time trying to compare bodybuilding and, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You know, I'm not going not gonna to give a BJJ fighter... Uh, a, a leg press unless we're trying to put on huge amounts of muscle mass and he's already completely fucked and, and we're looking for a machine to get that last you know insulin or, or that last IGF-1 response out of his quads you know so for me it comes down to again you know looking at those strength templates what what do you have available to you right so uh, you know, if, we, if we're to walk downstairs, well, there's no point having a, a leg press in a program, is it? Because there isn't one here, yep. okay? So you have to also look at, is the, are the tests that you're looking for, or are the, sorry, the lifts that you're looking for equate to what you have available to you as well, all right? Yes. Okay? So, you know, um, talking to talking to crossfitters, you know, you're not going to put a leg extension in their program because it's not there, yep. okay? So, back to the, to the element of, of talking about the templating idea, I always look to, towards how, how many sessions that person's going to be able to achieve. And in, in this case, you know, in a five-by-five in a five style modality, you want to be, lo- be looking at minimum two, two, two of those strength sessions a week, whether it's upper body, lower body, or a full body split, it's fine. But you need to, you need to have that availability, right? if you're looking at an, at, at an advanced lifter, you might be looking at a German volume style system, 10 by 10, Yeah. okay? Some real serious volume gets, you know, hammered through in those kind of programs. And, and look, that's, again, another heavily researched methodology, right? Now, everything in between still works, people, you know? You might do a, uh, like... Uh, a method where you do your first lift as a five repper, and this and your second, you know, your second as a ten wave loading methods. You know, there's a whole bunch of different methods that are available to you there. And talking about templating, you know, you you need to know what your athletic development is to get to that point.
1: That's that's a good call. But the five the five by five is a clear, oh, clear easy winner. place to clear start. Winner. Clear yeah, winner, Yeah, and for simplicity. Yeah. Yep. What do you think? Um, I guess you know I, I wanted to sort of, I get you know we. I don't. I don't want to pick your brain too much more because I know you're already giving us time to be <laughs> here. But I wanted to. I guess I was trying to think of what the biggest myths are around strength training, and I was. Uh, yeah, we can hit pause while you go to the <laughs> yeah, toilet. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> too much coffee, mate. Yeah, too much coffee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go hit it up. <laughs> I was like,
2: I don't want to start that question. Yeah, I had a line. yeah man
1: gonna keep talking um are we recording still yeah oh yeah let's keep talking bro um well it was cool how he ripped apart my uh my lower body power days
2: out of 28 <laughs> episodes i now know that it's all been worth it for that it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you are
1: a dick you're a dick oh, thanks Clint. <laughs> <laughs> no nah, it's fucking it's uh it's good information it's <clears throat> it's bang on and i kind of knew it somewhere in there that i was like ah this
2: isn't really enough but let's just fucking wing it anyway it's interesting the point that he made about he's a coach talking to another coach and how like a coach can see themselves different to how they see their client yes but in reality it's not <laughs> yeah you know you'd never prescribe that to a client totally and and tell them that it's going to work yeah that's or right and believe it you know so, yeah. It's so true.
1: yeah all my clients out there that I sent out that lower body program to, just don't open it yet. I'm gonna make some changes, <laughs> um, but yeah, totally, man. It's uh, it's and it's true. Right? And what's it is interesting, I guess, probably for the listeners. But when you, you know, you talk with someone like Clint, who's his head is just he is, he knows the science, and yeah. he is deep in the science. We we know the science, but we choose to not go too deep into it because Mm. we focus on other things. Mm. Uh, And we use that science, say, with our lift program. We use it in all of our programs. But we we choose not to let that define what we do. Mm. Um, But it is kind of cool, I think, for people listening to realize that, holy shit, there's some really basic really basic parameters behind this stuff. It's not just picked out of the air. And, Mm. hey, we're going to do this for 15 minutes. And, you know, I am getting stronger. Like there's, Mm. you Mm. know, it's it's based on – it makes me think – I I did a a sambo, you know, sambo, the Russian martial art. I did a sports sambo coaching course. Yep. Just a one day thing uh, out west with this little Russian guy called Dmitry. I'm now a sambo coach. No way. As it it happens. But uh, this was years ago. But he was, he didn't, his English wasn't great. No, you're kidding me. He was a a classic little dude. (laughs) and basically he was he came over from russia with the goal of making sambo a thing here yep. so the idea was to do this coaching course give a bunch of like jiu jitsu and judo people their certificates yep. and then hope that they would go and teach sambo and, and teach. it would become a sport and uh, he kept saying he would like say these really outlandish remarks about the science behind what he was whatever he was talking about yep like uh, they don't break fall as an example he's like yes when we fall we tuck into a ball and you get thrown on the ground and it's safe and then someone would challenge him like a judo guy would be like but isn't break falling like when you hit the ground isn't that supposed to be the safest way to fall he said no 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 we know that it's not because in russia we have building for study this he kept saying we have building for study these things (laughs) And, and his point was like we have institutes, right, right, right. Like organizations we have a, we have a, yeah, right. where people work and they study it, and, uh, and I just love that that little description. Like it's true though. Yeah, they have buildings for this shit, and uh, and that's just <laughs> what we we're touching on. While you were downstairs, was yep. that like the the science? The science is the science, yep. and and it's you know things change and we uh, we, we discover sure, new things, sure. but there is solid science that's been around for a long time that is still true today.
0: Yeah, look and and. You know, I I talk about this all the time um, in in, in my mentorship that everything changes, right? But if you go back to old-school Arnie bodybuilding days, right, the good old uh, encyclopedia of of bodybuilding from Arnold Schwarzenegger, which I know know is 100% over there because, let's face it, Arnie's God. Um, There is very simple things that are still in that book today that reign supreme in the in the muscle building world you know we may not all take as much gear as the big man has consumed in his life but all you can do is try try. (laughs) (laughs) there's there's your next goal Uh, but uh, i think the thing that that keeps coming back over years is everything goes in cycles right so, you know, when I first started in the industry, there, were, there was a leg extension machine in every single commercial facility, right? 10 years later, they were all out on the street being thrown out and you couldn't, you couldn't, you know, sell one if you had to for five bucks, People right? Bust, someone busted up a knee or something. 100%, right? And they were saying, oh, you know, this is the sheer force that goes through the knee joint during a leg extension is the worst idea ever. Now, even as early as this morning, I was, I was on the wonderful world of the Instagram and, uh, you know, I saw a good friend of mine, Mick Hughes, who is, is probably the primary ACL physio in, a, in Australia at the moment. Uh, he does the majority of the ACL research and uh, Mick was showing an isometric leg extension hold with, uh, sitting, on a, sitting on a bench with a Swiss ball against the wall. Yeah. So it was a leg extension but the leg wasn't actually extending. It was an static. isometric static hold. Yeah, right? halfway, halfway. Sort of about a quarter of the way, mm. but it was just creating that tension through mm. the knee joint, right? And, and in his post, he directly said, a leg extension mm. will also work in this, in this arena, but I'm trying to show coaches out there that don't have a leg extension machine or the ability to do that, that there's an option here for you. That's cool. Right? Now, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, talking about this science thing, Right. The research showed that we should get rid of all leg extension machines 15 years ago. And now the research shows we need the fuckers back.
2: Yes. (laughs) Okay.
0: So research changes, technology around the research modality changes, and the exact topic of the research changes, right? What you have to remember when it comes down to this is you actually have to be open-minded enough to know that the research will change. Yes. So don't be a dick and just go, oh. I read that, so that's, that's all it is For the forever. rest of my career. For the rest of my career, right? Yeah. If I'd done that, I'd be sitting here, you know. You, know, you wouldn't be sitting I here. I wouldn't be sitting here. That's <laughs> exactly right. So, yeah. So, I think when it comes to that, you have to remember that, and, and this leads directly into the question you are about to ask before I urgently needed to race downstairs and relieve oneself, um, that what are the biggest myths in the fitness industry? And that is the first one that I'm definitely gonna charge in with is that the, there is no one method that works. There is a million ways to skin a cat per se, okay? I'm not into skinning cats, but I don't like the little things anyway, but that's totally <laughs> beside the point. But yeah, the, you know, if you wanna achieve fat loss, you can achieve it in a thousand different ways. You wanna achieve movement, you can achieve that in a thousand different ways, okay? There is no right and wrong. There will never be a right and wrong. There just is what you like more, what the coach likes more, what, what makes it stick, okay? That's With the, the other individual. Yeah. yeah. If I don't fucking like it, man, I'm not turning up. Yeah. If I really it's like it, I'm going to turn up. Ever, yeah. 100%. 100%. I can spend hours and hours and hours matter on matter writing an amazing is. program. Uh. And that person could look at it and go, oh, fuck, I fucking hate those exercises.
1: Yeah.
0: I go, oh, fuck, there we go. <laughs> now, that's a bit of a difference in the, in, uh, in the professional sport world. I'll just fucking shut up and do it, right? But if they loved every exercise, if they bought into your program, if they love what's going on, and they get your understanding, man, they're in. You know, mm, mm. Um, I just uh, I finished a book a couple of weeks ago called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Now it's about how I've to heard form of James. I think I've read his blog before. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah, mad blog, really cool. Um, but he he talks about how to form habits well, and one of the things that he says is. When they, when they studied all the Forbes, uh, Forbes 500 people like and, and studied really successful people, and this goes straight back to professional sport, by the way, I'm just adding, adding a little bit of context, mm. um, that when they looked at those people, those people weren't better at forming habits. They were just better at sticking to the habits that even though they might have got a little bit boring, they knew what the outcome was. So they just fucking met. They just got on with it. Yeah. Okay. So when it comes down to all of this chat, there's definitely some elements there that cross over. So, you know, we're talking about gym myths and, and, you know, things that occur in the fitness industry that are, you know, that I'd love to get rid of. And that is that one method will work every time for everyone. That's just never going to happen
1: tell me um the i guess the one of the, the the big ones that i that i that i feel is quite relevant when i said before that people don't come into the gym and say they want to get strong however <laughs> you do get now which i'm really appreciative of you get females yes and thank they you, say social media. yeah and they say oh i just i want to get strong sometimes yeah. yeah sometimes they say that and um and you're like oh cool tell me tell me more about tell that more. like what what's what's kind of igniting that for you um there's also a, I believe that for a lot of women, there's a connection between muscle growth and strength. It's like, sure. but I don't want to get big. Yeah. Right? Yep. Talk to me about
0: this. All right. So I guess the, the first element to, to explain to anyone is getting big is really fucking hard. Okay. To, to lose weight, you need to be in calorie deficit. To gain weight, you must be in calorie surplus. That's the first ...myth that we need to completely dispel. It doesn't matter whether you're vegan, fucking uh, keto or whatever. You must be in either surplus to gain weight or deficit to lose weight. Meaning
1: you've got to be eating more calories than your body needs... ...to maintain itself in order for it to grow bigger. Perfect.
0: Perfect. Now, women have this distinct feeling that lifting big will put on muscle mass. Now, if they eat badly and a lot of food... And their calories are high, they will put on muscle mass. Okay. Now, we we've been blessed with, you know, some amazing individuals on the on the wonderful world of the Instagram and uh that that show, you know, chicks lifting heavy that are still slim, lean, attractive, I'll I'll use a shitty term t- 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 looking feminine. Oh. Okay. Toned? And I'm not gonna toned. use I'm not gonna use that word. I wanna vomit every time that, that <laughs> somebody says, I want to be toned. But um, very simply, to get to that, there is still a shit tonne of work required. And I I always end up with that that inevitable female that says, oh, but I am build muscle mass really easy. Okay, now, I've met one of those. Serena? Well, no, but she was was African-American descent and I swear she actually walked past weights and put on size. Wow. But... uh, that's one in my entire career. Right? Now I'm not saying that people can't put on muscle mass. It's but it's certainly much harder than most people believe. Okay. Yes. And just because you saw, you know, some some chick that you follow on Instagram that, you know, has got a big ass, okay, most of that's fat people. Okay. So let's just let's just be pretty clear on that, okay? But you know, you work something and it's gonna grow eventually, right? So just be just be mindful of the fact that it's not a myth, but you definitely need to
1: be in surplus to grow, and being in surplus is not as easy as you would think. Shit, no. I mean, I know for myself, it's fucking hard.
0: Hey, I've just put a. I've got a, a young girl uh, that's just come to see me about going on stage for the first time. Now, I'm, I'm bodybuilding. Yeah, bodybuilding, and I'm not. Uh, this is not a massive part of my world. Of course, um, I, I like it and I dabble in it and have a bit of fun with some some more biomechanical issues and help guys like Roden Dubois with with some of his uh, some of his masters athletes around how to to make those little biomechanical tweaks but um very simply we we were discussing this young girl and she came to me and said look you know here's what i'm eating and here's my current weight i want to go on stage now she was consuming about somewhere in the vicinity of about 1800 calories and she weighs 46 kilos She needs to be about 55 to be on stage and she needs to be 55 relatively lean. She is relatively lean because she's a former marathon runner. But she's going to have to put on like seven, eight kilos of mass and I basically, muscle. yeah, pure muscle mass, like lean, lean muscle mass, right? So which is fucking hard, bullshit. It's hard, hard for, a, bro. for a hundred kilo anybody. Absolutely, man, absolutely. You know, um, so I've I've put her up to about. And by the way, with full consultation with my dietitian Peter Carriage, because guess fucking what? I'm a coach, not a fucking dietitian. <laughs> I don't fucking write diets because I'm not a dickhead. Now. The other part of that is very clearly that I consulted with her, made sure that I was right where I was going to go with this. She made some solid adjustments, which is what a qualified dietitian does, and uh, she's sitting at about 2,200 calories this week. She'll go to 23 next week, 24 the week after, then cut back to 22. We'll do that three cycles and we'll see where she's at. So. In, in basically She would be Shoveling food in she right She's shoveling The fucking shit in All dude day. Like Yeah well we've got to um, To help her out with that Because she is struggling yeah. To eat that Like she sent me a message After lunch yesterday with Lunch uh, Sorry her, her snack was uh, Two boiled eggs And uh, and a salad For a for her, her mid morning snack She said "Clean, I can't get through lunch What the fuck am I going to do Because right. like I'm, I'm full You know It's a 46 kilo chick dude Like you know um, and she wasn't training until, until five o'clock that afternoon. So she hadn't expended any major energy yet. And by the way, like she's, I've got her doing no cardio right now because we're trying to put on muscle mass. Like she can't even afford, I, I'm not letting her walk to the train station, right? <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, drive the fuck to the train station. You do not to expend, need to expend one extra calorie that I don't know about. Okay. Cause we can't, but simply for, for someone like her, this is this is gonna be a hell of a process. Now, I'll be really truthful and I'm never gonna sit here and, you know, bullshit to anyone, but I've got no idea how much muscle mash she can put on in in sixteen weeks, right? But we're gonna give it a red hot crack. <laughs> okay? And and that's the fun part of the experiment for me, because that's when, you know, these interesting cases come to me. I call them my trouble children, right? <laughs> um, I'll talk about another one of my trouble children in two seconds. Um, but, it, you know, she came to me going, okay, well, is this possible? And I go, well, I'm not even fucking sure, to be honest, but let's give it a crack, okay? So, yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's definitely how difficult it is for females to put on muscle mass. To
1: give people an idea, I know that for me, when I'm having a day where I'm... I'm not that planned around my food I will probably end up eating around 2500 calories like if I'm just eating sort of three meals a day yeah and I'm, I'm a bit you know and, and and I'm not like and I'm not trying to eat a lot yep if I just eat what's comfortable yep. I probably eat about 2500 yeah cool and that, and you said you're you're going to get her up to 2400 yeah. and I'm double her size yeah that's right that's right which is you know I mean you saw me last year when I was trying to yes. bulk up and it worked yeah. Fuck! I was eating like a pig, man. It was well, so unsustainable for me.
0: Well, I'm the lightest that I've been since year seven, so I'm rocking around at 89 kilos, which for e- me is baby weight. <laughs> um, so yeah, like it, again, and I'm still sitting at about 2,300 calories a day um, as a normal as, as a normal BMR. Um, so for me, that's that's an easy amount. But when I was, you know, my my normal you know normal sit around weight is around 98 kilos and that's about 2700 to maintain so
1: decent yeah my bro we're gonna wrap it there yeah cool man thank you so much for coming on today <laughs> no and um i mean every time like every time i talk to you I there's we could talk about so many things and there's so much to get <laughs> through so uh, it'd be cool to have you on again if you want to come down to botany love to, um, yeah, love to. Like for me personally, man, it's it's nice to it's nice to be able to do this with you and I and I, you know, it uh, it's a long time ago now that I first met you and worked you yep. know under you at fitness at Anytime Fitness. Yep. But um, I'm appreciative of everything you did for me there. Oh, thanks, man. I really. Yeah,
0: yeah that's that's awesome to hear. And and you know, it's. It, it, the, the respect is mutual, that's for sure. Um, not just for, for yourself, Joey, but but also for for the whole Jungle Brothers team. Um, big Jared Thatch has just walked in and uh, give me a little <laughs> backslap, which uh, shout out to the Thatch. Um, but look, it's, uh, it, it, I think the, the big point that I want to sort of end on for, for you guys especially is strength is all relative, right? And whatever you want your strength to be, focus the fuck hard on it, okay? And, uh, like, I'm proud what you guys do for the industry. You know, the, the movement element of, of what's happening now is starting to creep into commercial facilities. Now, Lyft is not exactly your traditional, f- for you know, commercial facility. But, you know, I'm seeing people, you know, in, in Fitness First doing doing some mad shit, you know, that, that I'm really thankful of because... Good movement patterns are still good movement patterns and that that can be a straight line movement pattern of a a walking lunge or that can be a back bend or whatever it happens to be so you know I'm really appreciative of what you guys are doing for the industry as well and uh, and, you know I I hope that uh, your members and the listeners to your podcast uh, understand that this is an element that is going to grow on a daily basis. So, you know, I'm stoked to, to uh, be on the podcast, guys. Thank you very much.
2: man. thank you so much. Um, it's been a pleasure. Um, can you tell people, because you're doing a few things at the moment, can yep. you, where can people find you? You're running uh, mentorships? Yep. So, so a big
0: chunk of my business over the last sort of 10 years has, has gone into the mentorship world, um, whereby uh, I run an online mentorship and a face-to-face mentorship. Uh, I also run some workshops uh, around around Australia, and and uh, I will be venturing internationally uh, this year, which is uh, I'm pretty pretty Sick. pretty pumped about. Um, I also uh, do courses for the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association, and I'm lucky enough that uh, I've been selected to to present at this year's ASCA workshop. And uh, as recently as yesterday, I found out that the ASCA have selected me to. Uh, to go across to Japan and uh, lecture at the at the Japanese Strength and Conditioning Association uh, workshop or conference in uh, in December. So uh, that's a, you know, even just saying that, I just got goosebumps. I'm, I'm pretty, cool, I'm pretty pumped about mm-hmm. that. And then the last thing and, and probably the, um, the big change for me over the next sort of six to 12 months is going to be that uh, I wrote a Cert 3, Cert 4 in personal training. Um, off air, I said to the boys that, uh, I spent a long time bagging this industry and bagging the trainers in it um, and because of qualifications and so on and so forth and, and the uh, the narrow-mindedness of some of the people in our industry. Um, but I've decided to put my money where my mouth is in a big way. Um, I've devoted a lot of my own personal cash to writing uh, a Cert 3, Cert 4 course and have developed my own registered training organisation which will uh, launch in about six to eight weeks uh, God willing, so uh, yeah. But um, that's that's me in a nutshell.
1: Where where can people hook up with it and or hook up with you? Like yeah,
0: sure. Look, I guess you know Facebook, Instagram are, are the two easiest uh, modalities. Clint Hill or Clint Hill Strength, um, and then of course I also have uh, you know uh, you can just jump on email clint at hillstrengthandperformance dot com dot Um, I'm always willing for a a direct message, a chat, an email, whatever the case may be.
1: Slide into them DMs.
0: Slide into the DMs. (laughs) Yeah, baby. Sick, man. Thank you, bro. Thanks very much, guys.
2: Thanks, bro.